On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. There's a lot of stuff in there that, um, that's, uh, well, complicated. complicated. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. Off and running on another episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. This is episode 977. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, there's a follow button, there's a subscribe button. Just hit it. It's going to feel good. I promise. We'll get, keep the good stuff coming for you. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can interact with us there and send just your positive thoughts to us uh, at Tall Can Audio. Like I said, happy to be welcoming back to the show today uh, someone who joined us. About a year and a half ago, I guess, but uh, it was a very Zoom world at that time, so uh, we weren't in person. He's making his his first trip to the studio. John Rodenberg's here. How's it going, man? It is. Uh, it's good. Good to be here. This is uh, this is quite the setup you have here. This is nice. This is nicer than the studio I normally work out at TSN. Okay. 12. See, we've heard that a time or two from some of your guys, <laughs> right? That have been in. So this is here's, one the, of th- here's the here's the pecking order. Okay, mm-hmm. your studio. I can't uh, I can't compare it to let's say Carlton or or Algonquin because no. I haven't been in there. Okay. But every time we get people that come in from there that are students or whatever, going oh, it's a step down technology wise. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, well, why don't you, cause I was going to ask this, you're, you run the show there for people who don't know, or from outside Ottawa, you're, uh, you're, you're the grand poobah down at TSN 1200. And we've had a few of your guys in, uh, over the years to, uh, to come in and, and talk to us. Hopefully they don't complain too much. They don't. And then never a bad word about you, but they have all said what you just said that, you know, maybe a little more room, maybe a little <laughs> compared to the studio they're normally working. Compare and contrast for us. What's, what are they talking about? What is the difference here? So let, let put, pray on my, uh, my vanity here for a minute. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, this is, this is really a really nice little, it's a very intimate setup. Yeah. This is what actually I wish that our main on-air studio looked like in that I would look directly at the person that I'm conversing with. Um, <laughs> now, for the past two years, so the uh, obviously do the show with, uh, with Sean Simpson Simmer uh, in the pandemic world. We are actually in two s- separate studios. Mm. God, so I've been in the main studio. He's been in a small side studio. And then Matt uh, Hammer, who's our producer, uh, kind of is... I can see him, Simmer can see him, we can't see each other. Right, so Matt, okay. is, Matt is the conduit between the, uh, between <laughs> the two of us. So it's been odd, but it's funny because in the last probably month to two months, 
we've been, you know, freed up to, you know, if you, if you want to, you guys can work together in the same studio again. Simmer's so used to his own little space now that we actually haven't. He doesn't want to put pants back on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, the only time it really is an issue is when we have a guest and, um, uh, and you want to, because we normally kind of go back and forth with questions or whatever, and it normally is a flow. And then if I want to change direction, I've got a little signal I'll, 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 I'll give to Matt, and then Matt will tell Simmer. If you have a follow-up question, there's another, you know, I'll tap, pat the top of my head. Right. He'll let him know. So we have little signals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in terms of when he was in the studio or when any of us are in together, um, it's a bit of an odd setup we have. It's, it's first of all, it's about half the size of what you have here. Uh, and the, the desk there, the desk faces one direction and it's a half moon. If I can, if that okay. paints the picture, I'm at kind of in, the, I'm in the middle. Uh, and so to look to my co-host, whoever it might be, I'm turning my chair to look at them as, cause you know, you're, when you're talking to somebody, you want to be looking at them most yeah. of the time, but then I'm not seeing Matt and I can't see the television, which I might be monitoring <laughs> if there's some live sports event going on. So it's the whole setup is a bit counterintuitive. Right. When the building was put together, uh, there's four radio stations upstairs and then two TV stations downstairs. Uh, I can say this with all honesty because the person who designed it uh, had never spent a minute of her life actually on the air. <laughs> so just in, and never consulted anyone. It was just like, well, this is the way we're going to carve And it's pretty limited space up there. Yeah. This is the way we're going to carve out the space. Uh, you guys at TSN, you're the, uh, you're, you're, you're the biggest losers in terms of the amount of space that you get, adv- you know, allocated to you. And quite frankly, you've been there for 20 years. I'm used to it now. Sure. So, but it's always been, it's always been a bit odd. So I like, I like your setup. I might borrow it if we ever get to change. It's funny to hear you say, uh, you know, we, I've told this story on the podcast before, but, uh, the first time Rob and I ever had a guest was actually AJ Jackie Beck. And uh, he was good enough to come on when the Grey Cup was up here in whatever, 2017 or yep. something like that. Everything was in 2017, if you don't know a date. Okay, That's fair Canada enough. 150, so. <laughs> it's good to know. That's true. Okay. So uh, we're sitting here going, okay, it's going to be by phone. AJ isn't coming in this time. And so we're trying to come up with, you know, a sit now. The setup wasn't quite what it is now. So we're sitting on the same side of the desk and I'm just like, you know what, if I got a follow up or what, I'll just elbow you, right? Or, or whatever. Like it's kind of a, sure. well, we got like halfway through the interview and we can't remember, does the elbow mean you take it or I'm keeping it? Right. And it went on like, now, luckily yeah. AJ doesn't give you a lot of time to ask more questions. He keeps the ball for a long time. Yes. And, and so we didn't have to. I found that with play by play guys. <laughs> no doubt. So yeah, it, it's funny how it works out here. For me, one of the big things when designing it this way was. You know, there's always going to be some gear in the way, but the whole show was supposed to be kind of like sitting around a pub table, yeah. right? And so yeah. this is kind of as close as you're going to be. You've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I apologize, by the way, for not taking your offer of a pint. That was very nice of you. Uh, the hour at which we're recording this seems a bit early. It is a bit and early I'm in the day. I'm a bit tired, and I got to I got to drive home. This yeah. is usually uh, preceding my nap. So if oh, I, I might have helped you in that regard, if but... I were to take a take a pint at this stage, I may fall asleep on the way home. Right? Yeah. No, the nap would have had to occur on the couch or there or something. Yeah. So uh, I do appreciate you making the time to come in, though. Um, what is it like? I, I want to ask you. How did uh, we, we recently here in Ottawa had a bit of a blackout, right? Uh, lost power for a while. How long were you down? What was that like for you? Well, I hate, I, you know, this will drive anybody crazy uh, that was in Ottawa that actually lost their power. Uh, oh, but no. I was actually uh, out of town when the storm hit okay. uh, in a place uh, in, uh, in the eastern townships. And so I was reading about it on my phone, the fact that this serious storm had hit Ottawa. Uh, and that the power was out uh, by the time that we actually arrived back on the, so this was the holiday weekend, obviously, the power went out Saturday afternoon. 
in our neighborhood, the power came back on Monday morning at three in the morning. My okay. neighbors tell me we arrived home at three in the afternoon. So <laughs> I hesitate to say, I don't want to brag, no. but just in terms of the effect on me, we are very lucky. Very lucky. Well, it's funny because we had, uh, on the Saturday, the storm blew through and, uh, you know, as people from the area know, like it, one of the hardest hit areas was, was Maryville Road, which we are very close to here yep. at the, uh, at the studio. So Saturday, the storm rolls in at like 3.30, 4 o'clock. I don't know. The power goes out. And uh, I texted a buddy of mine and just said, you know, after dinner, my building's pretty dark. Do you want to have a beer, a beer in your backyard, right? He's at least got a little natural light and whatever. He goes, well, dinner's been delayed, so I'm throwing burgers on the barbecue. I assume you don't have anything to eat. And I'm like, I'll see you. Like, I'll be right there. <laughs> and I get home at like 8 o'clock, and they're telling us on the Hydro Ottawa map, probably be back around 10 p.m. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had nothing better to do. Lights were off or whatever. I jerry-rigged together something using my iPhone and a pair of AirPods and whatever and, and just did a, a podcast sitting out on the balcony. You wake up in the morning and now pictures are emerging of just two blocks from you, what Maryville Road looks like. And you're like, oh, this is not, <laughs> that was not a wise use of my limited battery power yes. and, and things like that. And 10 p.m. was not 10 p.m. last night. It's 10 p.m. in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it turned out to be. It wasn't quite two weeks, but uh, yeah, but I don't know, nine uh, nine days or yeah. whatever it turned sure, out to it be. Sure, it seemed like a lifetime. Uh, no, no worse than, uh, or no better, no no worse, I guess. Steve Lloyd, uh, who works for you down at the station, you had a rougher go. Of, so similar to you, I, I feel like I can't complain you too much. I didn't have a tree falling. I did not have right, a tree. In, in your uh, studio here, so no, that's good. So. That's good. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about, I know you're a music guy, and uh, one of the things we've been without for the last two years or so, and they're, they're back up and running now, but people are kind of re-entering at their own pace, is, is concerts. And I'm curious, uh, has anything, we got Blues Fest coming up here in Ottawa. Does yeah. anything at Blues Fest caught your eye that, that you'll be looking forward to, to check out? Uh, you know what? Great question. When it, when, it, when it first came out, I looked at it pretty closely. Um, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, classic, classic rock kind of radio with all due respect to the guys that work there and the guys and girls that work there, it kind of killed classic rock for me because it was just the same songs over and over. Yeah. So I stopped listening to that music. Um, I really like kind of stuff you don't hear, uh, quite honestly, on the radio. And a lot of that stuff just doesn't tour or doesn't hit like a blues fest. They're sure. o- often, you know, on a side stage or something like that, you might yeah. find something. So I, I kind of went through it very quickly to see whether there's anything that caught my eye. Um, there wasn't really, in terms of headline act, anything. I'm not into kind of nostalgia rock. I'm not into cash and checks, you know, rock and roll tours of, you know, I'm out here because I would like to make some more money. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be quite honest with you there. I don't know that I'm going to, I know my kids are excited about a few of the concerts, but uh, like Luke Holmes, et cetera. Yeah. But um, uh, for me, I don't know. Ne- I, I like to go down there because I, I, I find it just a fun place to be. Sure. But there's not not necessarily one one act that I'm for sure going to be down there for. For me, and, and it's funny you say classic rock because I, I don't realize apparently what's classic rock. Like to me, I grew up in the nineties and <laughs> yeah. classic rock is seventies and yeah. stuff. No, I well, I'm thinking more probably, eight, uh, yeah, yeah, actually seventies, eighties. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm interested big time in rage against the machine yeah. and they've been promising that for a while. And, um, I remember several years ago now we were playing, uh, you know, I was helping run a, a practice for, for some kids who were, you know, 18, 19, 20, 20 years old or whatever. And I had put on some music the week before to warm up. And one of them came up, the next week when I was getting ready to put the music on, it's not going to be more of this classic rock shit, is it? 
And I said, this is Green Day. That came out in like 94 or whatever. And the kid looked at me and walked away and I heard him whisper to his buddies. He walks, does he know that was like 20 years ago? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, sad, isn't no, it? No, I don't. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm way older than you. I know. I know. <laughs> when people start reminding you of that or whatever, it's like, oh my God, you feel like you're a hundred sometimes. Well, so when you get into, when you say, you know, it's not the mainstream stuff you're into, what, what would get your attention? What would make you go see something or what's something great that, you know, if you had to pick one concert yeah. you've been to, that's your best. Oh, best, best concert I've ever been to yeah sure well yeah. geez if i go back um best concert i've been to well i um you know now i'm, I'm gonna start talking about classic bands now sure but i remember when you two came to ottawa in 2004 or 5 whatever year it was they were the headliner okay but arcade fire opened up and arcade fire was just then just starting yeah. really it was it was while well, they're coming out party the fact they got invited on a tour with you two so seeing Arcade Fire when they were first starting, that was pretty neat because they were just different, right? Yep. I mean, they had what seemed to be about 50 people in the band. They're playing all kinds of these crazy instruments. Yeah. And I, I really didn't know a lot. I mean, I knew the album. I had the, I had the, I think I had the CD, believe it or not, the CD, nice. compact disc <laughs> version of their, of their first CD. So I had listened to it. I knew some of the music, but to see it played live, I remember that just kind of blew me away at the time. So that was, that was a time when, a, you know, a kind of, what to call that, at that point, a small-time Canadian band sort of, they were better than you 2 that night. And I think there's a lot of people that would have been at that show, like, and that was at CTC or whatever it was called then, sure, yeah. um, <laughs> that, that, would, have, that would, have, would have agreed that you 2 seemed a bit off that night and Arcade, Arcade Fire was a little coming out party. So that, I mean, if I go back to like the 90s when I was living in Toronto, I, I saw the Tragically Hip once at, at Old Maple Leaf Gardens. Nice. Um, on St. Patrick's Day, 50 <laughs> Mission Cap, you know, Gord Downey's pointing up to get the spotlight on the retired or uh, one or two retired Maple Leaf jerseys that was really the Bill cool. Barilko so, probably yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. I think about kind of cool moments that right. I remember I've probably seen the Tragically Hip you know five or six times so and including the, the last tour yep um, so then when they played the I guess second to last show here in Ottawa I was at that one so, so that was, was I uh, yeah, yeah that, floor, was a, that, that was a cool. very melancholy moment it was but uh, still a great show to be at so there's there's two kind of off the top of my head um, I, I a, saw the hip here before that. It was 2013, I think they were here for Blues Fest. I convinced a buddy to come who's never been a hip fan. He's like, I'll give him a chance. Like, I'll see it live. Like, I, I'll come in with an open mind. And out of the 11 times I've seen the hip, it was by far their worst show. Oh, yeah. It was not good. And he's looking at me the whole time like, yeah. really? This, eh, this is... It's this funny is with, with, uh, with great bands who put on great shows, with the Tragically Hip normally, normally does, that every once in a while, yeah. they're for whatever, it's kind of like when you do a radio show, when you're a sports team or whatever, there's just some nights when you're just not just wasn't on. feeling it. Or and it's not what? like you're making huge mistakes or whatever, but it's just not, yeah, everybody, everybody's just not clicking. Well, you've seen just, the hip enough times right there. Yeah. They... Sometimes Gord's just doing his own thing, right? You want to sing along with him, but he's doing it on his own tempo or yeah. whatever. And Well, it, it, it's funny you say that because, you know, there was a time before he announced he was sick. And, and obviously, you know, at that point, think, your, your, mind, your mind thinks. But I remember saying to my wife, because my wife had been to four or five of the shows with me. The, the, whatever the last time we saw them before all that, mm -hmm. probably four or five years before they announced, you know, this is what's happening, last tour. I remember saying, okay, I think we've seen the Tragically Hip enough. Right. Because it was probably one of those shows where yeah. it's like he wasn't he wasn't really on. I've seen them seven times. It's like, you know, I probably don't need to see them again. And then the announcement came and then, oh, there's this. Now final, I need to see it right now. there's now. final tour. And I was so glad I went to that last show. Yeah, I went to one of the ones in Toronto with a couple of my buddies. I expected that was going to be the last time I saw them. And my sister texted me the next morning. She lives up here as well. And, uh, and she said, uh, I know some people who are selling tickets and I think they were selling 1200 bucks for the pair. 
And I was like, I'm no, like I, I've seen it. I kind of made my peace with it. Right. I've, I've said goodbye. And, um, and I said, like, I assumed she was asking for me. She knows I'm a huge fan. I know she likes them, but no, not that into it. And I said, I'm good. I said, but if you want to go text them and tell them if they don't get that, you know, we would do this, right? A number we were more comfortable yeah, with. Yeah. And they call, they said right away, yeah, okay, and just took it. And so, all right, I guess we're going to the Ottawa show as well. And, uh, wow. and it just happened to be, uh, I think we were four rows from the stage on the floor. Oh, and awesome. it was it was My a- wife is the queen of last minute tickets. Like, uh, I, I don't know how she does it, but I, I think she's, she's figured out the system of how tickets that are held back either by the band or by the venue or whatever get turned back at a yeah. certain point and go on sale. Yeah. She has been to so many shows where she's picked up, you know, like for that show, she ended up going like, cause I, cause I, we actually gave away tickets. We had, we had a suite and we gave away sh- mm. uh, tickets on the air to that, to listeners. And so that I was there with, with Steve at the time and a bunch of winners, but my wife wanted to go. She got tickets either a day or two ahead of time. Now it was right; it was behind the stage, right. which is not great, but it was an open stage. Yep, uh, you know, and, and really good bands will, uh, you know, sometimes it's in the round and they'll be spinning. But you know, there's a <laughs> lot of times where the front man will go back there. Whatever, you're there, right? Which is That's almost part of the deal, yeah. right? And uh, so yeah, she picked up tickets. I think one or two days ahead of time for like you know face value, whatever it was. Not bad. So eh? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, why don't we talk a little sports? I know that's something that we're both into. I know I. One of the guys that uh, I want to ask you about is somebody I know you know pretty well, at least through the show, is uh, Bruce Cassidy. He's yeah. fired by the Boston Bruins this week, and I don't really think I totally understand what that's all about. I, I heard your interview um, with Joe Haggerty here on uh, on Tuesday morning, where you suspect, you know, maybe he was being a little too blunt for some of the guys, uh, a little too honest with some of his players, but... Like they have to understand that that team is on its way down, and he has pulled every last drop of greatness out of that group. It seems like that could be expected, and yet here they are after another hundred point season. Out he goes. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a bit of a Scooby Doo mystery. <laughs> I don't think anybody's quite sure. But whenever anything doesn't make sense, it's usually you know in a situation like this, it, there has to be some sort of personality conflict. The one thing to know about Bruce is, and he's he has been a good friend of the show, is that he is um, he comes from the kind of the Brian Kilray school of, you know, he's he's a hard ass hockey coach, right? right? Um, and I don't want to say you know, and you know, he 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 played in the 1980s, you know, and he played under Brian Kilray, and and it was a different time then, and not and not saying that it's you know, that it, everything was great. And in some cases, some coaches were a bit over the top, but sure. I don't know that that style of coaching necessarily um, with today's athlete is going to last. You're going to have as long a shelf life as you might've had back then, right? Back then it was, I'm the coach, no questions asked. I push the buttons, you do what I say. Now, you know, uh, you know, if we're talking hockey players or whatever, but he's a little bit, um, you know, we've been conditioned to kind of a, a, a new world. Uh, and I don't think that that works as well with today's athlete. I think it works. I think there's a shelf life. I don't, I don't pretend to know what the situation is in Boston, but you could probably say after five and a half years that, you know, if a guy is, if a guy is on you for long enough, there's going to be some guys that have just said, I've had enough. And so I, I would presume probably that's, that's what's happened in Boston. If I had to guess. Is it like, do you think that that management group thinks there's more to be had there? Like, because to me, uh, we'll see what happens with Bergeron. He has not announced yet what he's going to do. There's talk he may or may not retire. If he does, like, it's step back time, is it not? Well, I, you know, on my way into 
your studio, I actually looked at my phone and saw, I don't remember who it was from Boston, reporting that David Pasternak could be on the trade block Oof. this summer. So, I mean, if you're trading the past, man, yeah. you're basically saying at that Throwing point. Throwing in the towel. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, there is something to be said. I mean, we have painfully gone through it here in Ottawa. If you are going to, if you are going to, uh, to take it down to the studs, it's, it's a long, long, painful ride to go down there, um, and it takes a long time to go back. And Unless I, you're the Rangers. You're, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> but they had, they had some good fortune fall into their hands for as sure well, which did, I don't yes. think are typical for, the, no. for a rebuild when you have, uh, you know, Panarin want to sign with you and then Adam Fox basically engineering a trade to you. And you just happen to jump from Lundquist to Shisterkin. Yeah, like. yeah, which is, uh, well, that part at least is good scouting or yeah, good luck. Sure. But anyway, if, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if that if there's any accuracy to that whatsoever, I mean, if you're trading Pasternak, I'm thinking that you're you're going down the road of futures and draft picks. And yeah, but, he's I mean, not that old either. Like, no, he's 26. Yeah, but he's free agent at the end of next year. Right. Okay. Um, so, and he's you know he's always he's always said, and he's the one athlete, one hockey player, I believe, when they say it's he doesn't care about the money that much. Yeah. I mean, he's making good good dough anyway. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he's always said that, and uh, there is a believability and an authenticity to him. That when he said that, but I think that was for Boston. If he's going, you know, maybe they're realizing that, you know, if we just have him and, you know, Brad Marchand will be 34, whatever, at the end of next year, coming off double hip surgery, that, Oof. you know, maybe we need to take a long, hard look at what we're doing right here because they've, they've not drafted very well. They don't have a lot of good prospects. Like, uh, you can sort of see, like, the end of the road in Boston. They've, 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 as you said, Bruce got everything he did out of that group. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. No, but it does feel like you've wasted a bullet, right? Like, if you do believe you're about to undergo a rebuild, you wait and fire the coach later, don't you? And save yourself a... Yeah. Well, if if you're Don Sweeney and if you're Cam Neely and if you're really bad to start next year because they've got, you know, who knows what's happening with Bergeron. They've got major injuries to Marchand and McAvoy and uh, Matty Grizzlick to start next year. If you get off to a bad start and you need a fall guy, well, yeah. the fall guy is the veteran coach, right? right. Yeah. So now they've played that card already. So what's what's going to be odd is if they do get off to a slow start, which is entirely possible, it's kind of like, well, the owner's going to kind of look and go, well, you've already played your, <laughs> your firing the coach card. Yeah. I'm not going to fire whoever they end up hiring. I'm going to fire him after two or three months. So who's going to take the fall? So it's a, it's a bit of an odd situation. Is, I must yeah. When I saw it last last night, Monday night, I, I was, you know, I did the old double take of what? Like, I actually yep. didn't see the actual announcement. What I saw was somebody tweeting out the fact of, look at all these veteran coaches that are available this off season. And yep. I see Bruce Cassidy's name on it. And I go, <laughs> what? How did that get in there? And then I go madly scrolling through. Oh, he got fired he an knows. hour ago. So, yeah. Yeah. He, I can't imagine, despite what you said there and, and correctly about him being kind of a hard ass old school coach. I can't imagine he'll be without work for long. Um, you know, there's a bunch of teams that'll be looking, but at the same time, there's a bunch of other guys out there. Barry Trotz is out there. Um, you know, I, I think, what did I read? Oh, I got it right here in front of me. I, I, I did some prep. Nice. There was only uh, three coaches who have now been with their teams for four years or longer now left in the NHL. You want to take a stab? Four years or longer yeah. in so the NHL. Yeah. God. Okay. Uh, four years or longer. 61 seconds? Is yeah. How this works. You know, it would probably be easier if you just told me. All right. We got Jared Bednar with Colorado. <laughs> See, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have you. And here he is. They won the Western Conference Championship. I never yeah. would have thought of him. Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, I would have come up with that. And John Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. So there's not a lot of uh, job security, I guess, right now in uh, 
in the well, world Well, you know, coaches are, you know, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but coaches are hired to be fired. They're the cheap, you know, that's the cheapest way you can change potentially the dynamic of your team. All right, the coaches are usually paid about the equivalent of, what, the 15th guy on the roster? Yeah, you know, so if you change out your left, your third line left winger. You change out the head coach. What's gonna What's right. gonna benefit you more for the same price? Um, one of the things that we've had ongoing here for a while is uh, is my co-host Rob and I, and I guess right now the pressure has shifted. But he asked me kind of midway through this past season, who was going to last longer, Sheldon Keefe in Toronto or DJ Smith in Ottawa? And of course, the question would be if Toronto had gone down in the first round again, which of course they did. Uh, would that have put the pressure on Sheldon Keefe? And if Keefe survived that, does it now shift to DJ Smith in Ottawa, who you know can't afford another bad start? And he is maybe one of those coaches that you have while you're rebuilding, and when it's time to turn the corner, you move on. Um, I'm going to ask you a bit more about the Sens here in a little while, but do you think there's pressure on DJ Smith headed into this season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think 100%. Um you know the whole you know the whole specter of of what's going on with ownership and is ownership going to change is it going to stay the same you know what is what is the a dynamic in the ownership suite here in Ottawa I think just play a role in whatever decision they're going to make but just in, as far as hockey ops go there is I mean you know it's a very short list I mean Ian Mendez wrote about in the Athletic of general managers and coaches who have missed the playoffs you know, together in tandem, like uh, Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith and survive, yeah. right? It just, it's a, it's an extremely short list. Right. So, um, yeah, I think there's an enormous, you know, and then rightfully so. I mean, for the last two years in particular, this team has gotten off to incredibly poor starts mm-hmm. and, you know, like that, that, that to me is a reflection uh, in part on talent, but on coaching as well. You know, you don't have your team ready to go for whatever reason, your training camp, didn't put the proper building blocks in place for it to allow you uh, with a young and somewhat experienced team to at least have the fundamentals in place to get off to a good start. Well, there should be no excuses this year, right? right. This is not, we're not talking about a pandemic training camp of like they had a couple of years ago when the season started in January and, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of new players and they had a two week training camp and no exhibition games. And then last year again was a bit odd where the season went long. It was a little more normal. Yeah. Um, but you know, this coming season, yeah, you know, the, the, the fan base is not ready for excuses any longer. No. And I, I, they are, they are ready, uh, to find a fall, a fall guy. And I think the fall guy now, I think the target is directly on, on the coach this time. Yeah, I think that's fair because, but it is tied to, to the GM as well, right? We keep seeing these vets get brought in who maybe don't fit or can't quite keep like your Derek Stepons. And, you know, we've seen various pieces on the back end as well. And obviously the coach is sort of towing the company line early on, but maybe it's on him a little earlier to go, yeah, no, this, this guy doesn't fit. This isn't what we need right now, right? Like The problem is, well, the problem has been, I mean, in a way, DJ Smith has been his own worst enemy. A couple of players that, that he has gone to bat for yeah. have been, you know, in uh, in Josh Brown and Nikita Zaitsev have been two of the, yep. you know, two two of the biggest problem areas back on defense. And it's his, his you know, to his, you know, loyalty is to be commended sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes it can be Helped your... get my Jenny's uh, yeah. Memorial Cup with Josh <laughs> Brown at the helm at that exactly. point. Exactly, so. but sometimes it can be your big, yeah. biggest detriment as well. And I think if there's a lesson to be learned, I believe, for Pierre Dorian is that, you know, general managers manage and coaches coach, and the right. general manager should pick the players, and the coach should uh, should coach the players that the general manager gives. And I think too often, and Pierre Dorian was guilty of this with Guy Boucher too, where he got him the players, and they're not top of the roster players. These are... 
everything from middle of the roster to bottom of the roster guys that, you know, the general, you know, the coaches ask the general manager to bring in and they're just, they're just not good enough. Right. They're just not good enough. And it's time, I think, for the GM to basically take, take better control of the roster and make it better. And that, that's why the pressure is, I think, on the general manager as well to do a, a better job this summer at putting together the roster. Uh, we'll get back to the sends here in a little bit, but you tweeted back on May 8th and everybody loves that to be, have themselves quoted. And I did a little digging. I was looking on your Twitter there, uh, in Uh-oh. preparation for this. What did I say? Nothing too crazy. I okay. don't think at the time it was totally outlandish, but I do wonder if you're, you've changed your mind at all on May 8th. Uh, you quote tweeted uh, a, a tweet that basically had pointed out how many blowouts there had been early on in the first round. And you had basically just said, maybe that's why, you know, so far these playoffs has, have felt a little boring. And I wonder as we sit here now, uh, three rounds in, if they've since grabbed your attention a little more. Yeah, so that would have been, what, midway through round one? Yep. Because round one, we ended up having, what, five game sevens? Yep. So obviously in terms of close series. It um, tightened up a little. It got, it got better. Um, there were a couple of quick series in round two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a- absolutely. It got um, it got better at the time, you know, at, at that moment in time. Absolutely. I felt like the play, you know, the, there were a lot of blowout games. Yes. But it was weird. I don't remember what series it was now where it went to seven games, but it felt like, you know. You the, just traded blowouts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three, you know, three the three wins by well, team, Toronto Tampa did that a little bit. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of that. So, but by and large, I think this has been a really good playoff. Um, I find, I got to be honest with you, as the playoffs go on, my interest level always tends to wane a little bit. The hmm. weather gets nicer. Yes. Um, you know, I don't find myself inclined to necessarily sit down for three hours on a Sunday afternoon on a beautiful day. Right. Um, and the, the television ratings would back me up on the the Tampa Rangers game on Sunday. The ratings in Canada were very low for that. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm not, um, uh, I'm in the majority of Canadians that kind of find better things to do. And this is where, again, having, you know, we did have Edmonton make the final four this year, but uh, having a either a Canadian team or a team that's, you know, we have some some interesting teams this year. It's funny, we were going through it today. So we have a Canadian team. We have arguably the, the biggest star in the game in Connor McDavid. We have uh, maybe the most exciting team in uh, in Colorado. We have the two-time Stanley Cup champions in Tampa, and we have the team in the biggest market in the United States. Yep. In terms of selling points for the NHL, you really got everything you want. Now, if Connor McDavid played in the U.S., it would be even better for them. But yes. you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's all kind of come together. So in a, in a weird way, what started off very slow has come together with four, you know, now Edmonton's eliminated, but but um, but four interesting storylines. So it's, it's, yeah, it's gotten better, by and large. I think for me, uh, one of the things, like... I go through a bit of an annual tradition here. The Leafs get punted at the end of the first round, and then I have a bit of a hangover for the next two weeks, (laughs) and it takes me a while to want to watch again, right? And I kind of meander my way back in for the conference finals and and the finals. This year, the Battle of Alberta hooked me like that. looked like it was going to be fantastic. And even as we sit here now, I'm blown away at how fast Edmonton just punted Calgary. I thought that would be an interesting kind of Daryl Sutter mm-hmm. lock it down matchup, but they were just giving up the neutral zone to Connor and those guys were coming at them at a hundred miles an hour. And uh, that one kind of hooked me a little bit. I, I did think it was unfortunate for the league in a rating sense, or maybe it's only my own perspective. I thought the least interesting 
of those second round series was Carolina and New York, and it was the one, the only one that went seven. Everything else just kind of yeah. got blown right through. Well, that was another series in which most of the games, and I can't pretend to watch every second of every one of the games, no. but the games were not very competitive. Right. right. The Rangers won all the, well, it was a total homer series yep. until game seven. None of the games, well, and there was one over, I think the first game was an overtime game, if I remember correctly, but, but yeah, you're right. That, that was... And again, it's, you know, there are the certain... Fran- Florida would yeah. have been great. It yep. wasn't. There are certain so. franchises that you will always, that you will, that you will always think in your mind, boring team, right? New yep. Jersey Devils, yes. they aren't, but you always <laughs> think of them when Jacques Lemaire used to coach or whatever, and, yep. you know, boring. Minnesota Wild, same team. Yep. Actually, very exciting now, right. but your, your mind is, oh, Jacques Lemaire, boring team, right? Yep. Carolina is, yeah, just kind of uh, this innocuous Carolina team. They're actually a very exciting team. So we're down, as we sit here right now, to three teams left. And I wonder if you have any ideas off the top of your head. We, uh, we always see after the cup is won, who's the captain going to hand it to first? And it's always some guy who's 42 years old and has never won a cup or yeah, something like yeah. that. And I wonder if you've started to kick around any names or any possibilities on one of the, uh, the Rangers, the Lightning, or the Avalanche that might make sense. Well, the Lightning of all, they've all, uh, I, guess, uh, I guess Corey Perry, right? Wouldn't have had it since uh, 07 yeah. with Anaheim. He has had one, Ottawa. but it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. so he would seem like perhaps yeah. a bit of a natural. Other than that, pretty much everybody's already had it there, right? Yeah. Greedy, greedy. Um, <laughs> Rangers, well... That's interesting. You know, they always go for, yeah, they go for the most veteran guy that's been there, right? So often you think about guys on the third and fourth line or a third pairing defenseman or whatever. Uh, And it's funny, I'm gapping on. It's hard to come up with who the players are, right? You could do Panarin. He's your biggest star, but he's not that old. He hasn't been there that long. Yeah. Right? Chris Kreider, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 might make sense. I think he's the assistant captain there. Yeah, right? and he's so, been there for quite a while. Yeah, so he he would make it's it's who you'd sort of identify with the franchise. So yeah. usually, again, it's a guy that's been there for a while. And for Colorado, you know, like uh, I know that Eric Johnson. You know, he's not a top of the roster guy, but first overall pick in two thousand and six. Been in the I mean, I mean, I saw his post game on on uh, after they beat Edmonton, and he talked about the fact of he's playing defense with Bowen Byram, who's in his first year in the <laughs> NHL. And Bowen Byamer is talking about, well, I'm going to the Stanley Cup final and, you know, hey, hey, kid, like I've been in the league for 15 years and it took me this long. Right. And, you, you know, just remember it took me 15 years yeah. to get here one time and you're getting there in your first year. So I could see maybe a guy like Eric Johnson or something. Jack Johnson's there as well. Jack Johnson, put yeah. Up a lot of, yep. uh, Gabriel Landeskog will, of course, be the one who grabs it. But after that, yeah, anybody get, anybody's guess. Um for me, obviously, I don't expect he will be the second guy to get up, but I'm I'm pulling for Naz. Like I hope he gets back in there and and gets to play for. Uh, yeah, guy's been through some stuff in this. Uh, he has, this uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he does. You know, it sounds like a thumb injury, yeah. so whether that's something that you can, you know, obviously probably not good at taking draws, but if he can play some wing or whatever, like he does, you know, he has a unique ability to get under people's skin, and he's and he's played great. He's played great. I yeah. mean, there's no whatever you think of him and his sure. time, which in Ottawa is mostly related to his time in Toronto. Yeah, um, there's no disputing the fact he's had a terrific year and he's had a great playoff and he's kept his for the most part his. He's about to make some money, and he's got about uh, to make a whole lot of money and land <laughs> probably somewhere else. Yeah, and a nice retirement contract. I wonder where that looks like. Maybe Philadelphia or. Yeah, you know, Montreal, uh, who was it we were thinking of? Well, Montreal of? doesn't have any room. Yeah, we were thinking of a couple of teams uh, where he might make uh, might make some sense. Because, you know, he's, 30, he's 32 now, right? Yeah. So it doesn't make, you know, in, in terms of if he wants, if he wins, I think a lot of it is predicated on whether he win a cup, right? If he yeah, wins sure. his cup this year, he's got his cup, maybe then he goes for all the money. Yeah. If he doesn't win a cup this year, then maybe, you know, if a team gives him a good contract, maybe not quite top of the market in terms of money, 
but offers a chance to win, yeah. right? Then then maybe he looks at that. So I yeah. think that way may change a little bit. Uh, the last time you were in and we talked about or on not in, uh, but uh, we talked about how uh, how much of the industry had moved to be doing uh, to be done kind of remotely and how much play by play was being done. Um, you know, from home or from local studios or whatever. Uh, you guys sent the play-by-play team for the Ottawa Senators and Dean Brown and Gord Wilson back on the road this year. And not every team did that. And in fact, uh, you know, it was a major point of contention for Leaf fans that when you got all the money in the world, they couldn't <laughs> be bothered to send Joe Bowen back on the road for uh, for the radio calls there. I wonder, you know, what went into that decision and you know obviously there's an authenticity to the broadcast that comes through when your guys are, are out on the road but you know what were the drawbacks that you found from doing it in the studio and and what went into making the decision that no we're good we're gonna get back out there we're gonna send these guys on the road again well um you know the first of all the the contract broadcast contract we have with the ottawa senators um that allows for Dean and Gord to be on the charter. Okay. So just in terms of, uh, and as we all know in the past year, right, you know, travel was horrendous, yeah. right? Even though things were opening up, to, you know, to, to, to travel commercial as a play-by-play guy is just, you know, especially in the winter, if you're in Canada, flights are canceled, <laughs> you know, or you're sitting in an airport all day or whatever, uh, it's, it's not conducive. So the fact that our contract calls for them to be on the charter obviously allowed that ease of travel, mm-hmm. um, to be, uh, to be much better. So, I mean, if we didn't have that, would our, would, would the call have been different? You know, that, that, that decision is made several foreheads up from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just in terms of what it offers, I mean, it is an important thing. Uh, first of all, Gordon, uh, Dean and Gordon are the, our eyes and ears on the road and they were the only you know, consistent traveling media entity covering the Ottawa Senators this year. The local newspapers didn't cover them on the road pretty much, uh, you know, period. Uh, and, or maybe went on the occasional trip, but really not much. So, I mean, we really were the only outlet to really offer kind of, you know, eyeballs on everything that was going on in practice, you know, um, uh, media availabilities after practices, before and after games, all that other stuff. I mean, that's, I mean... If we're going to differentiate ourselves and, 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 and offer something that no one else can offer, I mean, being the boots on the ground with the team and seeing everything that's happening is, is probably the best way we're able to do that. So I, I'm, you know, as, as, long as, as long as we have that and our contract goes till 2026, as long as we have that, I, my, my, my thought is that we'll always be on the road with them. Um, we saw towards the end of the season uh, the passing of the team owner, Eugene Melnick, and you would probably be better, or not probably, you would certainly be better qualified to comment on this. The, the word I would use, and I've heard it used by a bunch of people to uh, describe his relationship with the market would be complicated. <laughs> um, Good word. Okay. And I wonder how much, because there was times, uh, and quite publicly, that, uh, that things got a little contentious between him and, uh, and TSN 1200, and if he wasn't happy with the coverage he was getting or, or whatever. Do you expect that... Um, and this may come off as a little cold, but the fact that he has passed along and there are now, you know, new hands on the wheel, um, that that relationship will change a little bit. Have you noticed any sort of difference in access at all? Is it too soon because it was so late in the season? What do you make of it in terms of the way you guys will cover the team? Um, complicated was a great way to put it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I mean, there was nothing ever direct, 
right? Uh, like we were never totally, you know, cut off. No. But I will say that, you know, access at times was probably not what it should have been, um, especially for a rights holder, in my opinion, right? Yeah. Um, and, my, you know, and this is without anybody directly saying to it, I, I think part of it, you know, came from the owner, right? Mm-hmm. That he was, for whatever reason, unhappy with the coverage. And I, you know, and I didn't speak directly to him at all. So I can't speak to it. And I know that efforts were made to try to kind of smooth the waters as best they could. I, I don't really, quite frankly, understand why there was really any degree of angst over the coverage. I think, you know, we, we if we're serving um, our constituents you know, our listeners, the best, we're being honest with them, right? I mean, the one, the one thing I can always say, especially in a hockey market like, like Ottawa and in Canada or whatever, you can't snow the fans. I mean, right. everybody knows what they see. Yeah. So trying to tell them, you know, that A is happening when it's 180 degrees diametrically opposed. I mean, people just go, what the hell? And turn it and turn on something else. Yep. So, I mean, if we're not being, you know, somewhat authentic in what we, you know, not somewhat, but authentic <laughs> in what we say, you know, really, I mean, I mean, what are we doing? So all that to say, um, to answer your question, um, I'm always hopeful things can improve. It's a, listen, it's a fine line. This is a team that's missed the playoffs for five years in a row. Yep. And for four of those years before this past year, a lot of it was hot garbage. And, and, you know, n- nobody, nobody over at, uh, on Palladium Drive likes to hear the fact that their team stinks that day after, you know, if you're a, a coach or a GM driving into the, you know, and they're hearing it in the morning and then they're driving home in the afternoon after practice and their people are, fans are texting in or phoning in and, and on-air people are talking about the fact that you're, 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 you're garbage and, you know, it's <laughs> like, I understand, you know, like, but, and that's the fine line of the balance of, you know, we have to be authentic uh, to the fans, um, you know, fans are, you know, very emotional, yeah. right? It's the highest highs yep. and the lowest lows. And we have to try to counterbalance that a little bit. Um, but as the team improves, you know, and next year there is the the hope that the team will be better than this year and that maybe they contend for a playoff spot that, I mean, it's like anything. When, when times get a little bit better, um, you know, egos aren't as quickly bruised and, you know, I'm hopeful from from our perspective, from their perspective, that, that things will become um, better. They're, they're not, it's, not in, it's not in a terrible – it was no. never in a terrible place. It was never in a good enough place. It should have been better. That part of that is on me. Uh, but I'm hopeful that things will continue to get better, hopefully, as the team improves. Yeah, there were just always these odd moments of, of going on the other station here in town or being on the fan down in Toronto or whatever. You've you got a rights holder right here. And, and to be fair you know, to you guys at the state, if, if you do nothing – but talk up the team that's in last place right now, your opinion doesn't mean very much to me anymore. Right. And uh, like, if you don't criticize them a little, I don't believe you when you say the good stuff either. Right. Like it's, it, it's gotta be difficult because it is also, you know, the red blacks side who are about to fire up their season. You know, it's the only big four North American sports team in town and it's an all sports radio station. You're going to get an awful lot of attention. And if the team's bad for a while, it probably does feel a little like piling on, but yeah, there is got to be real. And the and the thing is um is that it's like anything when you're criticized it it always stings a, a little bit more and you you tend to remember it a lot more. Um and when yes. people say good things about yes. you, um they fade faster. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just that's just human nature and I get it and I always try to remember that when I'm saying things on the air that I really try not to be 
overly harsh because mm-hmm. um, I put myself, you know, you know, we, we get some feedback, not nearly what a sports team would or anything like that, but you get feedback like that. And then, yeah, at times you can, you, you get, you, you, you get things back and you go, wow, I didn't really know it came across that way. Yeah. Or no, I'm not actually that bad a person as you're making it out to be right now. You kind of let it slide off your back, but you understand from, from their perspective that, you know, that stuff can, stuff can stick to you. And when, you know, your words have meaning and you have to remember that. So shortly after uh, Melnick's passing, The Athletic uh, wrote a piece. It was Katie Strang, Ian Mendez, and... Dan Robson. Dan Robson is his name. Thank you very much. Um, That was, you know, sort of a a look behind the curtain of what the Melnick era had been like around the Ottawa Senators, and there was some pretty rough stuff in there, but I thought they did as best they could to also present, you know, again, using that word complicated, the the good things he did in the market uh, for people he knew... Um, you know, this is regardless of what we as sports fans think of him as an owner. He was also someone who had friends and family who did not see him through anywhere near the same lens that the public did. Uh, it was a fascinating piece. And I think a lot of people knew for a while it was coming, but there was some controversy about whether it was too soon, whether it was still necessary after he passed along. Um, the thing I want to ask you about first from that is there wasn't any real discussion about that article on TSN 1200. And I know a lot of Senators fans noticed that, and uh, it was obviously hard not to, as it was making big news and the sports radio station in town wasn't talking about it. Can you take me a little inside the decision to not cover that article specifically? Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. I mean, I talked about it with uh, uh, my general manager. So we had an inkling it was coming out, um, you know, a day or two ahead of time. So he asked me to forward it to him when I got it to, and I think it was I think it was actually off that day when it uh, when it did come out. But regardless, he asked me to to forward it, and he said he was going to forward it on to uh, you know Bell's lawyers, um, you know, because you know there's there is there is there's a lot of stuff in there that um, that's uh, well complicated. complicated. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, to make a you know to 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 give you a quick summation of what went on, it was basically the word back from the lawyers was. You guys can't touch this. Um, and I think the the issue, as it was explained to me, is, you know, if you go through the article, and I, listen, those are those are three great reporters. Mm-hmm. I got tons of respect for Ian. I've no, you know, doubt, well-researched and all that. Um, the issue for us is that um, there's a lot of things in there that are, were said to, you know, their reporters mm-hmm. um, without uh, any names attributed to it. So, and, and things that potentially could be, if we were to go on air with it, you know, slanderous, potentially, right? Yeah. If they're not, if, you know, if there were legal action, if any were, were not to be true. Mm-hmm. So without us having access to any of that information that they had gotten, such as, you know, the email or things like that, um, if, if there were to be legal action taken in our direction... Um, we don't have anything to fall back. This is this is not our story. Their reporting is not your reporting. And, you and, can't verify. And we don't have access to it. And and you know, if 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 there were a law, and and there was no threat of a lawsuit. I don't want to. I don't want to make it out that way whatsoever. This was totally a decision that was made at our end mm-hmm. by the higher ups. Um, we have we have no we have no background to to fall back on. We can't say okay. This, this is, this is the, uh, here is the person I can produce right. that will back up what we're saying. So from our point of view, that was, that was the advice from legal. And so that's why we didn't touch it. Is there, you know, 
maybe this is, I, I don't need to make the complicated the question any more complicated than it is. How's that received across your, your team? Like, cause you guys obviously know this is what the market's talking yeah. about today. Yeah. You know what? It's, uh, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's disappointing. It's what the fans want to, it's, it's what the fans are talking about. And we always want to be talking about what the fans are talking about. Right. And, and absolutely. I, and I totally get it. And we took a lot of criticism and we took a lot of criticism because we didn't even talk about the fact that we weren't talking about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and if we, if we, if we did that, if we opened that Pandora's box, it probably would have gotten even more reaction. So again, the advice was let's just not touch it period. Right. And, and we're going to take some slings and arrows and understandably so. Again, it was a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think the guys, you know, when I, when I explained to them, um, you know, kind of what the thinking was, I think they understood. Right. Um, but again, it was, it was a huge topic to be sure. Um, and you know, I, I think everybody was disappointed yet understood. Uh, let's get off of that then and, and talk just before we wrap things up about the senators on the ice instead of the uh, off the ice stuff, which always seems to be far less pleasant. You mentioned that the team will obviously be looking to push for a playoff spot next year. Uh, they finished 31 points outside the playoffs this year. I think we're all expecting that at least Boston will take start to take steps back. Ottawa will start to take steps forward. Is there enough in the in the house right now or in the cupboard right now to make up those 31 points or does this team need a big offseason? I think it needs a big off season for sure. And I mean, they've, they've, Pierre Dorian has talked about that, right? How many times has he brought up in various interviews, top four defensemen, you know, um, scoring forward or, you know, depth scoring forward of some, I don't think they've said top six necessarily. They've certainly made very public. They basically hung a for sale sign on the number seven overall draft pick, yep. uh, which would tell you, I mean, if you're trading uh, a pick of that uh, caliber, you're expecting that's a big trade, mm-hmm. right? If that is for a player. So what type um, of player? Yeah. For me, I would get a defenseman. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's, if there is a, if there is a common thread through a lot of the bad hockey we've seen for the last five years, it's how, how porous the defense has been. Uh, the goaltending hasn't rescued it enough. Um, and, and Anton Forsberg had a really good year last year. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little more still not skeptical, but I still need to see more mm-hmm. and I, you know, on him and I would like to see, whether it's the Matt Murray we saw for about three weeks that was really good yeah. or the Matt Murray, unfortunately, that's always injured, uh, that's a wild card and probably will always be a wild card for as long as he's under contract to the Sens and whether Philip Gustafson can bounce back and be what he was a couple of years ago. Well, this is um, like, because Dorian has just said, he, the door is open to a three-goalie rotation, yeah. which seems like an awful idea, but this is an incredibly difficult decision to make right now. Yeah. Is Forsberg legit? What has Matt Murray got left? And, you know, what's Gustafson give, like? I don't think anybody wants to do three goalies, but I don't know which one of them I'm super confident in shipping out right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's that. And, and then and then on top of that is, you know, your defense right now is, you know, Thomas Shabbat, who, you know, you, you, you know anybody that watches and plays realizes there there is a level he pot- could potentially get to, which would put him among the better defensemen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are still some holes in his game that I think would be helped by having a steady, eddy, surefire great defensive defenseman you know that would just that would basically be his you know Simmer said many times like the Mark Mathot to Eric Carlson right, right? it's not to say that uh, that Shabbat is Carlson but you know you're kind of if you're drawing some parallels there and it's not um, Zub you don't yeah. think well it, I, I think Zub probably is a perfect guy for Sanderson yeah I'm okay. a big Jake Sanderson guy yeah um, even though I've only watched him in college mm-hmm. uh, just every time I watch the guy play I just think this guy is 
I watch Ryan McDonough play for Tampa, and I think that's my comparable for yeah, okay. you know just just you know just a, a great all round defenseman. So you know, and it, it'll take a while because it always does with defensemen. So you've got to me, you got three spots kind of ironed up, and then after that, it's a mishmash of. You know, um, you know, Eric Brandstrom, JBD, and Lassie Thompson, Holden's. Nick Holden, <laughs> like it's, you know, and, and for Thompson and JBD, I think, you know, they, they look like they're going to be NHL defensemen, but are they, if you still just l- sort of look like it, but you're not sure, then yeah. you're not, in my opinion, then you're not ready to be an NHL defenseman, right? right? So those guys should probably start in the minors. And then, so you're going to be starting with, you got one hole in your top four and then, you know the rest is or Zaitsev and and Holden and Brandstrom and are those two of those three strong enough to to be a five six? I don't know. It's just too many question marks for me. Right. Uh, and I think if 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 they want to start off the season in the right way, they got to solidify the defense. So um, you know uh, up front, I still think they need a skill forward to play with uh, with Stutzla if they're going to go with the big line of you know with Batherson up on the top line. One more skilled forward. Um, so that would be Batherson with Norris and Kachuk. Yeah. And then yeah. Stutzla and, and someone, some help. X. And then, yeah. you know, and what's going to happen with Connor Brown, right? He's only got a year left on his deal. And, you know, his, his stats right now would tell you that uh, he's probably going to be about a four and a half to $5 million player on a, on a longer term contract. And yeah. if you're Ottawa and he's what, going to be 28, 29, yeah. he's, he's going to want to, and he rightfully, I'd never, uh, you know, any player should get what they should get. And so if Connor Brown wants to hit a home run on the next contract, should the Ottawa Senators be looking at a five or six year deal for a guy who's 20? You know, he's a nope. t- t- terrific player, but is that the right thing to do? Oh, he's so my favorite. Are, it broke my heart when they traded him to Ottawa. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> He'd be a perfect Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah, exactly. Right now, so. <laughs> but again, not for four and a half million or, yeah. or even. But that's, you know, yeah. that's what the going price is. Yeah, so yeah. they're going to have to make, you know, you know, people have said, and, and, and they're right, like, you know, all oh, the Senators, you know, they've, you know, they're, they're not spending any money or whatever. Well, I, I actually think they've done it the right way. They, they haven't. They haven't. They don't have a ton of bad contracts. Right. Um, but you can, if you start now getting into your bad contract, if you give out one or two bad contracts, that's what's going to end up costing you. Maybe one of your core pieces that yep. you, you know, you've got three of them signed, but now you got Norris to sign this summer, got Stutzla potentially to sign, you know, or needs to be signed by next summer, and then Jake Sanderson uh, the year after that. So you got three more, and to add to the three they already have, that's your core six. If you can find a way to get all of them signed. Uh, and get them here long term. Then you got your core locked in, and then you've got to figure out the rest of it after that. So, can they get there? Can they overcome thirty-one points? I don't. Uh, I don't. You know, as I sit here on, you know, in in early yeah, we don't June, know the not knowing what the yeah. what the changes will be. Um, I'll I'll say right now, uh, I don't don't think so. Right. Uh, but you, you know, if make they make one, if they make one home run move, right, that really does work for them. And unfortunately, the pro side has let them down yes. in terms of players they've acquired. There's no doubt about that. Um, if they make one home run move that does work, then then I think they're right there. As you said, Boston's probably going to pull back. You know, as wa- Washington, I right. would think right now, right? They're on the wrong side as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. P- Pittsburgh's got Latang and Malkin. If they both leave, you yep. know, what are they going to do? I'm a big Mike F- Sullivan fan. I think he's a great coach and they've got Crosby. But, you know, it is... Uh, they're a team that eventually is going to go on. So you can see how there's a two or three teams that should pull back a little bit. Is all, but that's 31 points, man. That's 15 that's a wins. Lot. Yeah. That's 15 wins more, right, than you than you had this year. That's that's a lot. So yeah. it's going to be – but you know what? 
after four really terrible seasons and and oh, yeah. and, and uh, a better season this year, just turn even the s- even yeah. something that gets you a little bit closer is just that's gonna yeah, be relevant in March. Yeah, that's right? that's like, part of the fun of being a fan yeah. is actually watching the climb. Yeah, it's not the you know what's what whatever the old saying is right. It's not about it's not about the destination. It's the journey along sure, the way. Yeah, right. Okay. That's that's part of the fun is watching. You know, fans have watched this team now for three or four years, especially the good young players. To see it finally kind of pop, yeah. I think is very exciting. What do you think a Josh Norris contract has to look like? I took some crap here in the last couple of months. I, I, t- I took the, uh, the brunt of a blast from Montreal Twitter when I said Josh Norris is better than Nick Suzuki. And <laughs> I got called a Senator's Homer, which was new for me. That was, uh, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, what do you think a deal for that guy looks like? Well, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be interesting because, first of all, um, and whenever you, you, you sort of put out stats that sort of are counter to being optimistic, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of, um, I don't know, you're, you're seen as less, I'm a big Josh Norris guy. I, you know, let me go, let me go right, cut right to the chase here because I'm meandering. Um, (laughs) I thought the senators, and I said this on the air and this, this, this is truthful. I said last summer that they should get ahead on one player, and that was Josh Norris. They, right. they could have signed him last year because uh, you could you could see that he was going to be a really good player, and I thought you could get him on a long term contract at six million dollars. I said six times six, maybe for Josh Norris. Yeah, seeing what Drake Batherson had signed for, and I'm familiar with what happens when you wait with Nylander and yeah. and whatever. It doesn't it, go great. <laughs> uh, no, so Josh Norris, to his credit, went out and uh, had a lights out year. Now. A lot of it was on the power play. Uh, he benefited from having an, um, an above-average shooting percentage this year, and normally those kind of stats do regress mm-hmm. um, to you know to the mean or to the average um, a little bit. So that part kind of says to me that you know I don't want to say the stats are inflated, but you know is there going to be you know he's at he's at you know this level right now. Is he going to be able to go two or three notches above that? Right. I don't know about that. All I know is that he's a really good hockey player. Yeah. And Nick Suzuki is seven point. He got seven point eight seven five or whatever. Yep. I don't know that the. I don't know that Josh Norris is going to get to that. I think it starts with a seven. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it needs to get to eight because uh, then you're getting into you know then you're getting into eight for him and then you yeah, know you what Stutzla going to be? You know yeah. what I mean, right? And then then you're getting up to, and then you become a cap team. So um, I think they'll be able to get a deal done with him, but I think it starts with a seven. Okay, uh, I really appreciate you making some time to come in and do this. Uh, the last time, like I said, we had to do it online, but uh, it was good. Well, to get I like in the here. studio. Yeah. Uh, if, we well, ever, if our power ever goes out at eighty-seven, George, now we know where to come. Yeah. If you have power, that is. Yeah, exactly. I'm, it seems like I'm the last guy in the city to get power back after the tornado <laughs> in 2018 and everything. It's always right up Merivale Road here, a block or so away. So, yeah. Um, appreciate you coming in. We'll we'll do this again sometime, maybe a little later in the day, and we can have a pint and uh, yeah, and kick things around. But, Ab- uh, absolutely, pleasure that, to be with you. Uh, that is John Rodenberg from TSN Mornings on TSN 1200 in Ottawa. We'll wind things down here. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Talk and Audio. Give us a follow there. Let us know what you think. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, we will catch you all next time. My name is Matt Robinson. Thanks for listening. The hell was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.